Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnet, Illinois. This is the sermon for July 14th, 2019, the fifth Sunday after Pentecost. It is entitled, Silence or Presence, Loss, Prayer, and God. It is based on Psalm 28, verses 1, 2, and 7. It was preached by Pastor Carl Copeland. May God's grace and mercy and peace be yours this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our first reading from Psalm 28. Let us pray. O Lord, in our trials and in our struggles, we want to know that you're near. Bless us with your comforting presence in the midst of our our trials and troubles. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. In our reading today, we heard this, To you I call, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down into the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Our text. In uh, April 2011, Slate Online asked uh, their readers to respond to a survey about grief and loss, and apparently that idea struck a pretty good nerve because nearly 10,000 people responded. Uh, The results of the following included the following. 33% of the respondents had lost a loved one eight or more years ago suggesting the continual presence of a loss. Sixty percent of the respondents dreamt about their lost loved one. Only seven percent of mourners felt that it was completely true that they received adequate support from others. Nearly 30 percent felt alone with their grief most of the time. Thirteen percent said they felt alone in their grief all of the time. Nearly 25% said they never went back to feeling like themselves after that loss, and another 25% said they felt normal only one or two years after the loss. And so as as the authors analyzed these statistics, they made these observations. They wrote, uh, one of the hardest aspects of mourning is feeling that one's own grief is somehow not normal or has gone unrecognized. Many respondents wanted to explain how uncomfortable Uh, They felt their grief made others feel. Uh, Their responses seemed to suggest not only an expectation that people should grieve a little, but the concurrent desire that the mourner should grieve, uh, not, not grieve too much. And in pondering why recognition from others is important, the authors concluded it may be as simple as our human need to feel that we are not alone when grief gets unbearable. Loss. It is a scene that's played out in times of war, isn't it? When families wait for the news, news of a son or a daughter, may they have been captured by the enemy, and those questions run through their minds. Um, are they okay? Are they dead? Uh, uh, are they wounded? Are they being mistreated or tortured by the enemy? And in these moments, I'm sure there are a lot of prayers that are ascending and being offered to God to bring those children, those soldiers home safe and sound. For every rescue, for every celebration, there's another family wondering if they're ever going to see their child again. 
Now, we're not soldiers, right? But is that any different from the distress that, that a parent has? Maybe when a, when a child suddenly vanishes. Uh, there's no explanation and the police are baffled and, and there is that cry that goes out too. Will I ever see my child again? I mean, why can't they be found? God, why doesn't God help me? It's a rather frightening experience. When it seems that God doesn't help us. When it seems that he's gone into hiding. When it seems that he's silent. What about the loss when that person's right in front of you? What about the parents of a child or a spouse who watches their loved one lay there in the hospital bed and that cry goes up, doesn't it? What is God doing? What have they done to deserve this? Why doesn't God get rid of the disease, the affliction, the cancer? And then the loved one dies. The family is devastated. Why? They prayed a lot. They prayed for the healing. But they didn't think God heard a word. It's in these moments the silence of God seems unbearable to us, doesn't it? But is God really silent? And that's a very real question, isn't it? I mean, it's real for those families as they wait the news of their children at war or the family waiting for the news of a missing child or it's certainly real for the Christian who's lying in the hospital bed uh, in pain and not finding any kind of relief. It's real for a person who might be uh, worried about finding a job and, and looking after a family and, and finding no solution to their answer. Uh, the question uh, that haunts every person who knows, who really knows about the compassion and love of God. Is God silent? If that's true, then we've got a lot of questions, don't we? Questions I've heard people ask. Why doesn't God intervene in my life? (laughs) What's he doing up there while I'm in agony down here wondering what it's all about? God, where are you? Why do you seem so silent? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but does that sound a little familiar to you? There was an occasion long way back in history when people thought God was silent. They cried out to him a lot, but they didn't get any answer. They groaned and nothing happened. They, they, they prayed and he seemed deaf and silent. In fact, instead of helping them in their troubles, their troubles got worse. I'm talking about the people of Israel when they were captive in Egypt. In spite of all their prayers, in spite of their groaning, in spite of their crying out to God, Pharaoh got tougher. For centuries they cried out to God, and, and, and they were made to work harder and harder. Their children were killed. They suffered as centuries of slaves at the hands of the Egyptian Pharaoh. It seemed as though God was silent. But then it happened. God rescued his people. God led them out of the misery that they had been experiencing as slaves. But uh, you do need to note, though, that, that God doesn't rescue them by abolishing the evil. In fact, God led his people out of the suffering and misery of Egypt <laughs> into the misery of the desert <laughs> for 40 years or more. You see, evil is always going to be with us. Going to be with us in this world. And we need to note that God is always with his people. See, this is the thing. He doesn't abolish the hardship, but he stands with us in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the evil. 
You see, there are times where we can see the hand of God at work in our lives, right? I mean, maybe it's a miraculous escape from a car accident. Uh, Maybe it's a healing after surgery. Maybe it's the birth of a child. Maybe it's the never-failing love of a spouse or a child. Maybe it's the forgiveness for something that you believed was unforgivable. Maybe it's the unexpected help and care of a neighbor. It is in contrast to these uh, memorable and momentous times in life where it's easy to see God's hand at work that the silence of God almost seems deafening. Because we ask those questions, right? Why doesn't he step in? Why doesn't he intervene? Making life a little bit more pleasant, right? Uh, Maybe things run a little bit more smoothly as he's done on some other occasions. Why does he delay? Person in the next room to your loved one, they recovered. Why couldn't God do that for you? Why does it seem that God is ignoring us? Well, if you're at wit's end, if you're at your wit's end and you're crying out those, those calls to God, uh, where are you, Lord? What are you doing? Why don't you hear me? Let me quickly tell you that you're not the first to feel that way or make that cry of anguish. The psalmist of old made the same cry. In fact, take some time this summer and read through the psalms. You'll see. In Psalm 83, we read, O God, do not keep silent. Be not quiet. O God, be not still. In Psalm 6, verse 2, the writer is sick and says, Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am faint. O Lord, heal me. My bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? In our reading today, the writer pleads to God, For if he remains silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. Another translation put it this way, If you don't answer me, I will soon be dead. Please listen to my prayer and my cry for help. Jesus himself calls out from the cross using the words of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At a time when God could have rescued Jesus from his enemies in a very powerful and a spectacular way, there seems to not be a word from God. Just the jeering of the crowd can be heard. Yes, uh, parents uh, of soldiers may be disappointed in God's answer to prayer. The, the parents of a missing child may, may fail to understand God's silence. Yes, people with a loved one in a hospital or on hospice may feel prayers might be bouncing off the ceiling, as I've heard sometimes. You see, our prayers for healing may not result in the health that we'd hoped for. Our prayers for world peace have not been answered in the way that we would have liked. The difficult part for us is that we need to realize that we live as sinful people in a sinful world with more sinful people doing sinful things and we think that sin has no effect on our lives. That's just not true. When we're in trouble, I wish it would be as simple as praying to God for help and then immediately, boom, He supplies the help and the healing that we ask for. But the interesting thing, I believe, is that God does does supply us with just what we need. But it may not always be what we have prayed for. You see, God sees the bigger picture. God understands what is best. His wisdom about what is good and bad for us exceeds far what we can comprehend. And what is also abundantly clear is that God has never abandoned us. His love for you and me is beyond anything we could ever find. 
And because He loves us so perfectly, so purely, there's no way that He deliberately causes us harm. So it's interesting that in the midst of this psalm, this speaks about God's silence and God's inaction, right? And wondering if God is there. Near the end of the psalm, the psalmist is able to make this fantastic confession. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to Him in song. Now, it's obvious the writer of the psalm didn't understand everything about God, but he did understand this one thing. And he was able to trust the Lord who is his shield, the Lord who is his strength, his protector, and his defender. And that truth gives him comfort. That truth gives him help even in the worst of situations. And what's more, in the person of the crucified and risen Jesus, God is speaking that wonderful truth to you and me too, right? Saying, you are my child. Yeah, I shall always be your God. I love you dearly. I pay that price for you. I will not abandon you when the going gets tough. I am your shield. I am your strength. And in all this, one thing is sure. It is impossible to try to fathom why God acts or seems to fail to act uh, by observing life or analyzing the events that make up our lives. Because we need to dig deeper and trust more firmly. You can only grasp with a faith that looks beyond what is present, right? A faith that looks beyond the grief. A faith that looks beyond that dying child. A faith that looks beyond the pain. A faith that trusts that God knows what He's doing. A trust that takes God seriously when He says, cast all your anxiety on Me because I care for you. Taking God seriously. Take each day and saying, all right, I'm going to do that. Um, I worry about tomorrow and I worry about next week. Uh, I worry not only for myself, but also those that I love. But for once, I'm going to give that up. I'm going to give up reading that daily horoscope. <laughs> and instead, God, I'm going to let you work things out. God, I want you to get me through tomorrow. I want you to get me through next week. I want you to be that rod and staff when I pass through the valley of the shadow of death. I want you, O oh God, to be in my darkest moments when I cannot see where I'm going because of all the troubles that are pressing in around me. God, your guiding hand will continue to guide me and give me the comfort of your presence. You see, taking God seriously means taking God at his word. Taking God seriously means giving him the chance to act as he has promised. Maybe it's not approaching God defiantly or maybe feeling entitled, as we often do. Maybe it's more approaching Him humbly and trustingly. Maybe instead of demanding God's specific action, we can approach God in a different way. Lord, be with me when I'm anxious. God, comfort me when I'm lonely. God, let me discover that, that in the good times and in the bad and, and in, all the, in all the high points and the frustrating times of my life, it's your hand that reaches out to me. It's, it's your hand that shepherds me along. It's your hand, O oh God, that bears my burdens. It's your hand, God, who wipes my brow in times of trouble. It's your hand, O oh God, that, that makes death easier because you're cradling my head. In this way, the silence 
surrounding you and me will be broken. And God is with us. I want you to understand, I do not want to pretend or give the impression that life, even the Christian life, is simple or easy or free from problems. If you think that, just read the account of the disciples, right? There will always be groaning and tears in this world. That we all know too well. But we know that God is not cold. God's not indifferent to our lives. God has broken the silence. He has spoken to us and told us clearly about His love and care for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's big yes to you and me in the midst of life's agonies. I mean, if He is for us, who can be against us, right? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, tells us that it doesn't matter what comes into our lives. God is always there beside you and me, never deserting us. Paul reminds us today in Romans 8, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That means nothing, nothing can separate you and me from God's love in Jesus. Not life, not death. Not suffering, not accidents. Not hospice, not cancer, not war. Let's pick up that refrain that the psalmist cried out today, that, 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 that refrain of, of confidence in God, where he said, The Lord is my strength and my shield, my heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. So let's go ahead and repeat that. Repeat after me. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him. And I am helped. This is most certainly true. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and clipping the sermons button at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.